Now to a Westminster democracy dealing with political instability to the point that it's had three Prime Ministers in four years. No, it's not the UK. They've had three PMs in four months. Malaysia had its 15th general election yesterday. And while the counting continues, the headlines overnight are about 97-year-old, twice former Prime Minister Dr Mahathir Mohamad losing his seat. The next Prime Minister will, of course, be whoever can command a majority in the 222-seat lower house, the Dewan Rakyat. And that brings into play tricky politics between the incumbent coalition government, Barisan Nasional, the opposition Pakatan Harapan, led by longtime opposition leader Anwar Ibrahim, and the third major grouping, Perikatan Nasional, led by former PM Mayuddin Yassin. To unpack some of the results as they come in, we are joined now by Dr Amrita Malhi, historian at Flinders University and ANU. Good morning, Amrita. Hi, Julian. Amrita, what's the state of the count and the state of the likely state of the chamber at this early stage? Yeah, well, that's a good question. And and the short answer is there's no clear winner as of last night, as as you already mentioned. So there'll be all kinds of negotiations going on now and possibly over the coming days to to form a government. Um, Yeah, go on. Well, I suppose the big question is who looks like they've performed more strongly, of course. Uh, Pakatan Harapan won in 2018. Uh, how many seats does it look like they're likely to hold? And what are your what's your sense of how the coalition negotiations are likely to play at, at this stage? Yeah, yeah. Well, so as of the latest media reporting now, uh, it looks like Pakatan Harapan has won the largest number of seats. So depending on which media source you read, it's between 75 and 80. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it will be trying to form a government over the next period of time, however long that might be. Uh, and in fact, I've just read now that Anwar Ibrahim has come out saying he has the numbers to form a government. Uh, but of course, he won't reveal who he's got until he's had an audience with the king. And that is usually the kind of thing that you say when you want to have the meeting first yeah. uh, because you've got the largest, you know, the largest um, uh, number of seats. So, yeah. um, he, you know, he has to now do a job of of showing the ruler that he has the confidence of parliament, you know, with sufficient numbers. So that's what he is now claiming. So you said 75 to 80. I think the magic number is 112. What that's are right. the possible combinations? Who would Pakatan Harapan most likely go into coalition with? And what does that mean, for example, for Barisan Nasional, which had the prime minister uh, for the last uh, couple of years? Another really good question. So keep in mind that Anwar is not the only person saying things. Uh, <laughs> so close behind, yeah, so close behind Pakatan is Pakatan National, as you mentioned, uh, with a number of seats in the low 70s so far. So that might be 71, it might be 73, depending on the media source. So it is also trying to form a government now. Um, now behind them both is Barisan National with maybe 28, maybe 32, depending on, on what you read. So it's very likely that both Pakatan and Prikatan will be talking to Barisan National uh, to offer them a place in the government that they would like to form. Now, there are also coalitions in Borneo that are important now. So the GRS in Sabah and the GPS in Sarawak, they will also be in a strong position now to negotiate with both sides. So, you know, it's an open question what will happen next, but it looks like that is probably, you know, everyone's going to be on the phone for sure, on the WhatsApp, uh, trying to figure out how to uh, how to organise the numbers. Yeah, so that's interesting, though, that Barisan National, which is currently in government, actually has performed uh, the least strongly out of the three coalitions. Is that a substantial mm. sort of loss from, from their perspective? 
Yeah, look, it's a it's a serious shakeup, and I think one of the reasons for that is that, you know, they basically ran separately to Brigada National. So, you know, Barisan National, of course, has UMNO at its centre. You know, led by Prime Minister Ismail Sabri uh, and the Party President Zahid Hamidi. So it's the one that listeners will know of as the government. You know, all the way mm. through the nation's history until 2018 when it was brought down. So, you know, it's been the the major force in in Malay and Malaysian politics. Uh, you know, for for decades and decades, and you know, it's been in government with, of course, um, you know, the Perikatan National Parties, uh, but it ran separately. So it, it looks like Perikatan National has cannibalised um, uh, Barisan. So both of them actually appeal to Malay Muslim identity as the primary issue of importance, um, and and both of them set themselves up uh, in competition with each other. So Perikatan was really powered by the Islamist Party past. That's where its machinery came from. Uh, that's where its real force, uh, its real organising power on the ground came from. Uh, whereas Amno in Barisan also has organising power, but it looks like they were competing with each other. Yeah, so what implications would you see from the relatively strong showing of Perikan Nacional in terms of, say, the corruption issue, which has strongly been associated with the UMNO party? Well, it's a good question. Uh, again, you know, there'll be all sorts of pragmatic considerations coming into play, including, you know, what to do about the 1MDB scandal, uh, you know, how to put it to rest, uh, and what deals should be done to make it possible to to create some kind of final, you know, closure, some kind of reconciliation. So there'll be some discussion about that for sure. Uh, but there'll be you know, something else, I think, which is actually sort of more important, I think, in, in, in this situation, which is where does legitimacy come from? So I think negotiations will involve appeals to two different types of legitimacy, uh, two different sources of, res- of resilience and two different sources of moral authority, which increasingly are set up in competition with each other in the context of Malaysian politics. So, you know, you've got on one side, uh, you know, an argument that legitimacy comes from liberal democratic conventions. So multiracial politics is desirable. The party with the most seats should have the first chance of forming a government, etc. And, and you've got another argument where basically legitimacy comes from maintaining or purportedly maintaining the position and power of a racial and religious majority against internal and external threats to uh, to its existence and its priorities as a race. Now, Malaysia is a nation where both types of legitimacy have currency, sizable public constituencies, and the balance of forces is quite even, which is why there's so much competitive tension now. So, you know, the question will be how do, what appeals to legitimacy are going to count now? Mm. And also, as you mentioned, what's going to happen with the corruption issue and, and how will that play into the claims that are made about legitimacy? I mean, it's a, it's a great question and we're going to have to see. On Sunday Extra, we're speaking with Dr. Amrita Malhi about the uh, Malaysian election results. Uh, Amrita, that was really interesting what you were saying about those two sources of legitimacy. Does that, does that broadly mm-hmm. map onto uh, the liberal democratic source of legitimacy being the focus of Pakatan Harapan and then the position of the religious minority being one of the two other coalitions? Is that is that sort of broadly how it maps? Well, that will probably be the arguments that Pakatan Harapan makes. Sure. You, know, they're, they're, you know, this is supposed to be a democracy. There are supposed to be conventions. You know, we've got the largest number of seats and we are supposed to have um, first go uh, at, at being able to form a government. And if we fail, then, you know, the others can can talk. Um, but of course, you know, um, it will be the opposite argument that is being made, as you mentioned, by 
uh, actually Barika than probably most likely, um, you know, because it will be appealing to, you know, sources of, I guess, Islamic authority. Uh, it will be arguing that, um, you know, it, it has, after all, pass uh, in it. It will be trying to pressure Barisa not to make a deal with Pakatan uh, on the basis that this is now going to be a Malay Muslim bloc government. Uh, and this is the only way to protect the interests mm. of this majority, uh, which it does tend to argue is at risk, is under threat, uh, and that threat comes from minorities being active uh, in political life. So, mm. yeah, it, it does roughly map, as you say. It's very early days in the tea leave reading of this election and very early in the morning still <laughs> in Malaysia the morning after. But obviously one uh-huh. big factor in this election was uh, the major changes to uh, voter registration and also the voting mm-hmm. age, which produced a very large increase in the number of eligible voters. What do we know about voter turnout? And, and do you have a sense of how uh, what the, the actual sort of on-the-ground impact of those changes has been in this election at this stage, Amrita? Yeah, well, it's hard to say in terms of what the new voters um, really did. I suppose that will come out in the, you know, in the wash uh, in due course. But but basically, there was a significant change in terms of the number of voters in this election. There were five million plus um, new voters, uh, and that's because of two things. One is the voting age was lowered from twenty one to eighteen, uh, and the other is. Um, uh, there's automatic voter registration now, so voters don't have to go oh. through any kind of process in order to be uh, on the electoral roll. So, you know, that led to obviously higher numbers uh, of voters uh, than there were in the last election. There was also some pretty high turnout being reported. Uh, so the last figure I saw uh, was the one at 4pm, which was two hours before polls closed at 6, and that was already 70%. Yeah, that's um, right, although that was down from 82% last time, although well, that, suppose... but with a larger base this time. <laughs> With a larger base, but also by 6pm when polls closed, it might have well been over 80%. Sure. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's not exactly comparing apples with apples because in sheer numbers, um, if not in percentage terms, then there was a better turnout than the last election. Um, and I don't know the last figures at 6pm, but it's possible that there's a percentage increase too, or there might not have been. It wasn't tracking that way. It was looking like it was going to be a little bit short. But, you know, that's still quite a large number of voters. So Indeed. And and just finally, Amrita, uh, Dr. Mahathir Mohamed was not expected to be a major player in this election, but he's lost his seat. Mm. The first time he's lost an election since 1969. Uh, Is that a surprise? Uh, Honestly, no. I mean, I I wouldn't have been surprised either way. You know, he is obviously uh, keen to participate uh, until his, you know, his final breath. um, And that's, that's okay. That's something that you can, you know, you can choose to do that if you like. So, you know, and of course, he's been around, he's certainly been there for my entire life, for most Malaysians entire lives. So if he'd won, you know, I would have, I would have said, okay, but now that he's lost, yeah, I mean, that looks like a message is being sent, doesn't it? You know, that ultimately, your time's up. Uh, By the way, his son Mukris, last I read, has also lost um, his views. Yeah, right. uh, and by the way, so has Anwar Ibrahim's daughter, Nurul Iza, by the looks of it. Wow. So it could be that there's a message being sent that, you know, the political dynasties uh, aren't really wanted and it's time for a different sort of, um, you know, different sort of discourse about politics, a different sort of contest. I don't know exactly. We'll find out, I suppose, as the, as the analysis comes in. Yes, and days of coalition wrangling, no doubt, to come. Uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Amrita Mali, thank you so much for joining us. I'll give, we've only got a couple of seconds left, but who do you think the next Prime Minister will be? Which, which name? I wouldn't like to guess. <laughs> Very sensible. Amrita <laughs> Malhi, thank you so much for joining us on Sunday Extra. That, that was Dr. Amrita Malhi, who's a historian at Flinders University and ANU. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations. 
live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.